0: Morning Orchard Church. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Good to see everyone Uh, this morning. You can say a big thank you to the 830 service. It's been packed out lately. So isn't it nice that you get to come in and a little bit more seats. So if you see somebody in the 830, be sure and and thank them. We also want to welcome those that might be watching this service online. Um, Last night I went on and checked our statistics and we've had over 2,000 people since January 1 that have watched our messages online. So can we just welcome them and celebrate that? That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Today, we're continuing our series called Pursuit of Happiness, and we've been dealing with happiness in our relationships, happiness in our happenings, no matter what's going on. We've talked about happiness of humility, happiness of heart, and happiness of character. Today, we're going to talk about happiness habits. If you want to be happy, there's some habits you need to build into your life. But before we get any further, you know, the Bible says we're to rejoice with those that rejoice. I think we ought to just acknowledge this right now. Let's just go ahead and take care of it right now. exciting week for us here in Denver. You know, one of the things I noticed when they were interviewing Peyton and some of the players leading into Super Bowl Sunday, they said, okay, you got two weeks to prepare. Are you going to change your routine and your habits? And they said, no. They said we're going to try to keep our regular routine and our habits because that's what got us here. And so that applies to our our message today. We're talking about happiness habits. How many of you by show of hands would say that you believe it's important to have some good habits in your life? Good habits. Yeah, hopefully everybody's hands up. You should have some good habits of how you eat, uh, good habits of taking care of your health and exercise, good habits of brushing your teeth. Would we all agree that's a good habit? Just ask the person next to you this morning, did you uh, brush your teeth today? Just go ahead and check that right now. Hopefully they said yes. You probably already know if they did it. Uh, My wife has got me in the habit of taking vitamins. She's like, Doug, you're getting a little older. So she brought home this big bottle of of man's daily uh, vitamins. And they're like horse pills. And I'm like, honey, I said, can you give me some Flintstones? I don't really like... The habit of taking, I mean, every day I like have to choke this thing down. Well, just like it's good to have other uh, habits physically in our life, it's good to have spiritual habits in our life. And if you will build some spiritual habits in your life, you will find that your happiness will grow exponentially. And we want to be happy, so there's some spiritual habits to build in our life. And in chapter 3 of Philippians that we're going to look at today, the Apostle Paul gives us five happiness habits. If you want to be happy, then you need to build these habits into your life. So I hope you'll take some notes today. We're going to dive right in and look at these five happiness habits. The first one is this. Happiness comes through the habit of, number one, resting in God's grace every day. We need to get in the habit of resting in God's grace, the grace of God. Now, Paul jumps in here uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, and he says this. Whatever whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, what's the next word, church? Help me out. Rejoice. We've seen this word over and over in this book. It's the happiest book in the Bible, the the word happy or joy or rejoice. He says, "I, I want you to rejoice in the Lord in your relationship with the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, Paul says, to rejoice and be happy. I do it to safeguard your faith. And then in verse two, here's the theme of of really this chapter. He talks about a group of people that can steal and rob your joy away. And he calls them, he says, verse two, watch out for those what? Dogs, those people who do evil. Now I know in our society today, that can be like a, a good thing like, hey, what up dog? He's not using it in that way. He's, he's using this in a derogatory way. He's like, if you want to be happy, there's some people you got to watch out for. And he says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators. Now, let me, let me just give you a little background here. Uh, what he's talking about the apostle paul started the church in philippi and he led these people to faith in christ they they accepted jesus christ their lord and savior they were saved by grace through faith it wasn't based on anything they did it was based upon what jesus had done for them the same way we're saved amen but then he left and there was this group of people that came into town to the church. And this group of people kind of followed Paul around everywhere he went. He would go to a town, lead people to Christ, start a church. They would be saved by grace through faith. And this group would show up. And they were the religious crowd. They were the legalistic crowd. Um, Paul refers to them in the book of Galatians as the Judaizers. And basically what the Judaizers said was this. You can't just be saved by faith and by grace You've got to be saved by keeping the Old Testament law. If you want to be saved and you want to go to heaven and you want to be in good standing with God and find favor with God, you've got to keep these rules and rituals and regulations. If you're with me, say yes. yes. And yet we know the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. And so he's like, you've got to do these things. Today we call this legalism. And maybe some of you have come from this type of background. I, I grew up in a church system where, you know, you were, they said you were saved by grace through faith. But if you really wanted to be right with God, you had to dress a certain way when you came to church. You know, you had to play a certain kind of music at church. You had to uh, study a certain version of the Bible at church. Maybe you know, you know what I'm talking about. Say yes. And we call that legalism today, that you're trying to earn God's favor by rules and rituals and the things you do. Now, I thought I had it bad growing up that I had to dress a certain way going to church and listen to certain music and a certain version of the Bible. But these group of, this group of people here, they had it worse than I did because here was the requirement they said in order to be saved, in order to be spiritual and right with God, here's what they said. He said, watch out for those mutilators who say you must be circumcised. I right, See, none of you want to say that word, but you're going to let me say it. To be circumcised to be saved. That was the, the law, the Old Testament law. They said, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. And a lot of these people were Gentiles and they had not been circumcised. Now, some of y'all are like, what is that? Okay. After church, if you go to God Questions table, uh, Gary, our worship director, will answer that for you. But that was the rule. That was a, so I didn't have it so bad, you know, having to dress up in suit and tie. They had to be circumcised. He goes on to say, for we who worship the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. It's not a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision that God does in us. And here's the real key. Watch this, church. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Can we have an amen? We don't rely on rules and rituals and religion. We rely on what Christ has done for us. We put no confidence in human efforts to try to be saved and gain God's favor. He says, we don't put confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could, Paul says. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then he tells you about his background. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees, that was the religious group at that time, who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish what? Law. You see, the opposite of grace is the law. He said, "I, I kept the law. I was so zealous about keeping the law that I harshly persecuted the church. There was a time that he used to persecute people who claimed faith in Jesus. And as for righteousness, being right with God, I obeyed the law without what? Without fault. But if we're going to be happy, Paul's point here here is that we have to embrace the habit of not resting in rules and religion, but resting in God's grace and our relationship with Jesus. You see, the problem is this. You lose your happiness every time you try to earn God's favor. Anytime you try to earn God's love. You know why? Because we all realize we mess up all the time. I screw up all the time. I make mistakes all the time. And if I'm baking on my efforts and my good works to gain God's favor, God's love, then I'm in big trouble. Anybody else feel the same way? Say yes. And and it makes us feel guilty and it makes us feel bad because we know that we can't. And Paul says, if you want to be happy, you don't rest in what you've done. You rest in what Jesus has done. You rest in God's grace. You see, religion is spelled D-O. It's about what we do to earn God's favor. Relationship with Jesus is spelled D-O-N-E. It's about what Christ has done for us. And legalism, trying to be saved or earn God's favor through the things we do is a killjoy. It can rob us and suck the life out of people and suck the life out of churches. If you've ever been a part of a legalistic church, it's not a real happy place. A lot of unhappy and critical and judgmental people. You know, we had an amazing Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday here at Orchard Church uh, last week. And, and what we did to embrace the Super Bowl and have fun with that and give out Peyton Manning jerseys and footballs and the things that we did, a legalistic church would never do that. They'd be like, oh, you can't do that in church. You can't have fun in church. Here at Orchard Church, we believe church should be fun. I believe that Christians should be the happiest people in the world. Amen? Amen. It's okay if you show a little happiness right now, it's okay. And here's the deal. On a Sunday where most churches in America, on Super Bowl Sunday, no matter who's playing, are down 20 to 30% attendance. We had a record regular Sunday attendance last week. Over 1,700 people that came to Orchard Church last week. And, and we don't just celebrate that we put a lot of people in here and had fun. Here's what we celebrate. We know of 10 people for sure that filled out their car that made a faith decision to Jesus Christ last week. And we had over 50 first-time guests here at Orchard Church. Because one of our values is this. That we're, we're going to reach people no one is reaching by being willing to do things no one is doing. But legalism will keep you from that. Keep you from doing those things, man-made rules. And Paul tells us in chapter three here, he's like, listen, if there was ever a legalist, a religious person before I accepted Christ, it was me. I was a legalist. I was trying to earn heaven and earn God's favor through rituals and through my race and through religion and through rules and through reputation. And he said, I wasn't happy. Now, how do you know if someone is a legalist and they're not resting in God's grace? Here's how you know, they're very judgmental. They're very judgmental. Have you ever been around them? They're very judgmental. They're very critical. They're very cynical of other people pointing out all their faults. And they're not happy people. How do you know if someone is resting in God's grace instead of being judgmental? They're gracious. They're gracious people. They're loving people. They're happy people. And it's so liberating and freeing when you finally understand and embrace God's grace. Is anybody this morning thankful for God's grace? God's grace. God's grace. The amazing grace of God. Let me give you a little happiness hashtag. We've been doing this throughout the series to help you remember this. It's not about my performance, but God's pardon. It's not about my performance that I get to heaven or that I find favor and love and acceptance with God. It's about God's pardon. It's not about what we've done. It's about what Jesus has done for us. So happiness, first of all, comes from embracing the habit of resting, not in our efforts and and works, but in God's grace. And then Paul continues to expand on this with the second happiness habit. The second habit is this. Happiness comes by practicing the habit of knowing Jesus better. Not being more religious, but knowing Jesus better. Look at verse 7. Paul goes on and says, I once thought these things were valuable. What things? The law, being religious, the things he just talked about. I once thought they were valuable, but now I consider them what? Help me, church. Worthless. He says, all those things I tried to do to earn God's favor are worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value. Here it is of, help me church, knowing Christ. I'm going to give you another shot at that. Of what? Knowing Christ. He says, it's about knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Now, this word garbage here, some of your translations might say rubbish. It might even say, if you have like an older King James, dung. In the original Greek, the word is skubalon. That's that's the word. How do I say this? Because I want you to get the picture that Paul is painting. He says, all of my rituals and religion and trying to earn God's favor and earn salvation. He says, I count it all as poop. That's what it means. That word literally the Greek means poo. See I've always said that legalism stinks. Now I have biblical proof right here. It stinks. Trying to earn heaven and earn God's favor and and earn God's love. He says I count that as garbage now. Why? So that I can gain religion? No. So I can gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. But rather, I become righteous through what, church? Faith in Christ. See, that's the opposite of law and religion. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I, and here it is. I want to know Christ, he says. I want to know him in a personal way and experience in a personal way the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, listen, if you want to be happy, you've got to practice the habit of knowing Jesus better every day. How amazing and life-changing would it be Orchard Church if we woke up every day and at the top of our priority and to-do list was, I want to know Jesus a little better today than I knew him yesterday, than I knew him last month, than I knew him last year. I mean, of all the things I have to do today, we're all very busy and have busy lives. I want to make sure I know Jesus a little bit better and I'll be a little bit happier. Now, there's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. We're not talking about knowing about Jesus. We're talking about knowing Christ. That's what Paul says, I wanna know Christ. I wanna experience Christ. I wanna experience his power in my life. Let me illustrate it this way. You know, all of us would feel like we know the Denver Broncos. I mean, we've been every Sunday, once a week, we've been cheering them on. We see the players. We know their numbers. We hear the interviews. And we feel like we know them and we're a part of this victory. We know about them. But most of us don't know any of them. Now, if you do, I'd like to meet some of them, so let me know. We don't really know them. We know about them, but we don't really know them. If you're with me, say yes. You know, a lot of Christians are the same way. We come to church every Sunday, we sing about God, we read about God, we take notes about God, we praise God, and then we go away for another week until we come back again. And we know about God, but we don't really know Him. We don't really know Jesus in a personal way because we practice the habit of every day knowing Jesus a little bit better. And listen, you, you don't get to know Jesus by accident. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It's just like your marriage. It's a great principle for marriage. If you want to know your spouse better, it doesn't just happen by accident. You have to put time and effort into spending time with your spouse. And the way that we spend time with God in a personal way, not just knowing about God on Sunday, but in a personal way throughout the week, is we talk to God and God talks to us. And this is so simple. I know you know this, but do we practice it? Do we make it a habit of our life? That every day, I'm going to let God speak to me. Not just once a week on Sunday, but every day. How, do we, how does God speak to us? Through His Word. This is why it's called God's Word. And God has a lot of things He wants to say to us if we'll open His Word. So God speaks to us through His Word. You should have a time every day where God speaks to you through His Word. And then how do we speak to God? You know this, church. How do we talk to God? Through prayer. We pray and we talk to God and we share what's going on in our life. And so as God speaks to us and we speak to him, our relationship with him develops and it grows and we get to know Jesus a little better every day. You see, you and I were created to have a relationship with the God of this universe. That's why we were put here on this earth. It wasn't just to check off our to-do list and, and then, you know, die someday. And until we are experiencing that personal intimate relationship with Jesus, we're not ever really going to be fully satisfied. And happy, and I've mentioned this before and I want to give it to you again today. There's a website. It's called YouVersion.com. If you've got a smartphone, you can download the UVersion app. And there are hundreds of Bible reading plans that you can follow. And spend five, ten minutes every day walking you through God's word and growing in a relationship. And some of you just need to make that decision today. You know what? Starting tomorrow, I'm going to give God at least five, ten minutes every day. Because I want to know not just about him. I want to know him. Because Paul's coming out of this saying it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I say this all the time at Orchard Church, and I'm never going to stop saying it because everybody needs to hear this. If you come to Orchard Church today and you're looking for religion and a religious church and a religious pastor, you have come to the wrong place. Because at Orchard Church, we do not offer people religion. We offer them a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we should celebrate that right now. And never stop celebrating that fact. Because that's where true fulfillment and joy and happiness comes from. So happiness comes by practicing the habits of resting in God's grace. Knowing Jesus better every day. Here's the third one. The third habit is practicing the habit of growing in your faith. And as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you will also grow in your faith. In verse 12, Paul says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things in his relationship with Jesus. Or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I I can't tell you how convicting that is to me. Here we have the Apostle Paul. He's an old man. He's sitting in a prison in Rome awaiting execution because of his willingness to share his faith in Jesus Christ and start churches all around the known world. He wrote over half of our New Testament, one of the greatest church planters ever. And here he is saying, I still have room to grow in my faith. I haven't achieved it yet. Now, here's how God spoke to me as I was studying it this week. If the apostle Paul is saying that, That he still hasn't achieved it after everything that he had achieved for Jesus Christ. I have a long way to go. Anybody else feel that way? Say yes. We've got a lot of growing to do. And happiness comes from continuing to grow in your faith. You see, happy people never stop growing. They never stop learning. They never stop discovering things. And I think for for myself, one of the greatest personal examples of this in my life that I've seen is my father-in-law. My father-in-law is 75 years old. He's our care pastor here at Orchard Church. He was a pastor for many, many years. And instead of retiring from ministry, he moved from Missouri to Colorado to partner with us. And he's our care pastor now. Um, He was a president of a Bible college. He has his doctor's degree in theology. And yet he is still serving God faithfully every week. He has read through the Bible cover to cover Every year since 1978, he made a decision, I'm going to make it a habit of reading through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He's done it like for every year for like 37 years in a row. And he comes, he was in our 830 service. He was had his Bible open. He's taking notes. He could come up here and preach this stuff better than I could. And yet he says, I'm still going to grow in my faith. Uh, He's still serving. He's still growing. He's still giving. And you know what? He is one of the happiest, most joyful people that I have ever known, that I've ever known. It's an example of that. Because happy people practice the habit of growing in their faith. We should be in the habit of always asking ourselves, where do I need to grow? Asking the Lord to show us, where do I need to grow, Lord? Where do I need to grow in my faith? Where do I need to grow in my witnessing? Where do I need to grow in my service? Where do I need to grow in my my giving? You you know, um, the Bible tells us that we have a, the, the training wheels of giving for a believer is, is a tithe. It's 10%. And a lot of people, though, they stop right there. They, they, a lot of people don't even do that. But the ones that do, they go, okay, I, I'm, I'm keeping the law. I'm giving my 10%. But the Bible says that we are to give of our tithes and offerings. And an offering is over and above the tithe. And we've had people in our church that's blessed my heart to hear these stories where they've said, you know, I was a tither for many years, but God has challenged me to grow in the area of generosity. So every year we try to give 1% more. 11% and then 12% and then 13%. We've had hundreds of people here at Orchard Church this fall. We went through our legacy campaign to build our new building. And people stepped out in faith and and in generosity and said, I'm going to keep growing in the area of generosity. And they committed over and above their tithes and their offerings, $2.5 million over the next three years to our legacy campaign to advance the kingdom of this community. Can we just celebrate that right now? That's people who have been willing to grow in their faith. I'm excited to give you guys a little bit of an update about our, our legacy campaign. We have already received over $450,000 toward our legacy campaign. We've already received that. And here's the great news. We have yet to have to take out a construction loan. We're continuing to pay cash for everything that we're doing. And I, I did the numbers. If, if that $450,000, instead of you guys giving it, and that's paying cash for the architect and the civil engineers, if we had rolled that into a 20-year loan on our building, we would have paid $250,000 in interest. We have already saved $250,000 in interest alone because of the generosity of this church and people being willing to be stretched and grow in their faith. And then our land is paid for. That's almost $2 million. That saved us two, about $2 million in interest if we would have rolled that into the loan because people were willing to step out and grow in their faith. And I, I want to encourage you, if you're newer to Orchard Church and you want to be a part, this is your church home now and you want to be a part of our legacy campaign, go to our Got Questions, there's a packet of information, a brochure, a commitment card, and you can get on board. Maybe that's a way that God would grow your faith and grow your generosity. But, but ask these questions. Happy people are always growing. They're willing to grow in their faith. You know, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better parent? How can I be a better boss? How can I be a better employee, a better neighbor, a better friend, a better Christian? And I want to give you guys some tools to help you with this. Maybe, maybe you're here and you go, well, I, I want to grow in my faith, but I'm not really sure what area I need to grow in. If you'll go this afternoon to our Facebook page, and you'll go, we're going to put on there a, a website, a link to a website, to Lifeway, and you can download a spiritual inventory test. And I hope some of you will take this challenge. And you can take this test, and it'll tell you the areas of your life that you can begin to grow in your faith. Because happy people are growing people. Happy people, Paul says, have the habits of resting in God's grace, knowing Jesus better, growing in their faith. Here's the fourth one. Happy people practice the habit, and this is a hard one for a lot of people, of focusing on the future and not on the past. And this is going to speak to someone this morning. Happy people have that happiness habit of focusing on the future and not on the past. Paul says this in verse 13, the second part of the verse, he says this. We'll put it on the screen. But I focus on this one thing. Now, Paul was an extremely joyful, happy person. So if he says there's one thing he's focusing on, we ought to pay attention, right? What is this one thing? Forgetting the, help me, church, past. He says, I do this one thing. I make it a habit in my life to forget the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to focus on the future and not the past. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Looking forward and not looking backwards. Happy people practice the habit of focusing on the future and not on the past. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's really difficult to forget the past. How do, you, how do we humanly forget the past? Well, I, I looked it up, and this Greek word here, forget, means this, to no longer care for. It doesn't mean that it, you don't ever think about it or you don't ever remember it, but it, you don't care for it like you once did. You don't let it hold you like a ball and chain. You don't let it pull you down. And I believe with all of my heart that right here, this moment is going to be one of the most important moments for some of you in this message today. And maybe one of the most important moments in your year and in your life. And it's going to speak to you. Because I know that some of you have been really hurt by the past. Some of you, I know your stories. And they're excruciating. Some of you, I don't know your stories, but I see the pain. On your face. In your body language. You've been hurt in the past. Some of you have been abused physically, emotionally, sexually. Some of you have experienced abandonment. You've been betrayed. And those things can be extremely hurtful and painful. And we probably all experience those in one way or another. And they have a way of robbing our happiness, don't they? And stealing away our joy. And because I love you guys, and I care about you guys, and I wanna help you guys, Here's what you need to hear this morning. You can hold on to your pain or you can be happy. But you can't have both. Isn't that true? You can hold on to your pain and let it pull you down and hold you down and destroy you and consume you, or you can be happy. But you can't have both. And for some of you this morning, one of the greatest decisions and choices that you can make today is this. I'm going to stop letting the pain of my past control my happiness in the present. I'm going to make it a habit every day of choosing to do and focus on what Paul said. I'm going to focus on forgetting the past and looking forward. This could be one of the most freeing days in your life if you'll make that decision. Now I think there are two traps that defeat us and keep us trapped in the past. And we've all experienced these. The first one is this. You know what keeps you trapped in the past instead of looking at the future? Regret. Regret is the things that we have done to ourselves, decisions we've made in the past that we feel guilt and we feel remorse and we feel shame. And we've all done something in the past that we regret, regret, regret. I have a hard time with that word. And we, we sometimes hear people say, well, I, I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. But you know what? If the God of this universe can forgive us, who are we to say we can't forgive ourselves? That's putting ourselves above God. And regret will keep us trapped in the past. And we have to just let go of it. And we have to claim the Word of God and the promises of God that say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to let go of the regret and the sins of the past. We need to embrace that Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world and to make you feel guilty and ashamed, but I came to save the world. So regret can keep us trapped in the past. Here's another thing that can keep us trapped in the past, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is something somebody else has done to us, and it makes us unforgiving, it it hurts us, it makes us bitter, it makes us resentful, and you know, we just have to make a decision that I'm going, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to make this decision. I'm going to forgive other people as Jesus Christ has forgiven me. How can I not forgive others when Jesus has forgiven me? You know, God let me off the hook on some things. God let anybody else off on the hook on some things? God let me off the hook. I need to let some other people off the hook. You see, when we hold on to unforgiveness of the past, it doesn't usually hurt the other person at all. They're going to Disney World and having a great time. And we're the ones hurting. And we've got to be willing to let it go and forgive as we've been forgiven. Happiness can begin, I believe this with all my heart, for some of you today, if you'll just make the decision and the choice that you're going to start practicing the habit of focusing on the future And letting go of the past. Happiness comes from embracing the habits of resting in God's grace. Knowing Jesus better. Growing in our faith. Focusing on the future and not on the past. And here's the last one. Happiness, true happiness comes from embracing and practicing the habit of following other believers. Being with other believers in Jesus Christ. The family of God. Paul says it this way in Philippians 4 verse 17. He says, Dear brothers and sisters... Pattern your lives after mine. Follow me, he says in other places, as I follow Christ. And learn not only from me, but learn from those who follow our example. There should be some believers in Jesus Christ in our life that we're able to follow and we're able to be around that really help our happiness and to encourage us. He, he goes on to remind us of this group of people that he was talking about, the legalistic crowd, the religious crowd, that were, were robbing people of their happiness. He says, don't hang out with them. Stay away from them. He says it this way in verse 18. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. He's talking about this religious, legalistic crowd. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. He says, but we are citizens of heaven. We're part of the family of God, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Do we still believe that, Orchard Church? We are eagerly waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to finish up in just a couple of weeks the book of Philippians. And I've got three Sundays before easter and so we're going to do um three week series called the end on the end times people have all kinds of questions about the end times and the return of christ and we're going to take three weeks i'm going to give you some of my best uh, stuff on that from the word of god He goes on and says in verse 21, He will take our weak and mortal bodies when He returns and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. You see, it's not about us changing ourselves. It's about the power of God working in and through us and changing us. And one day changing us for all eternity. But what He's saying here in verse 17 is you need to follow the example of other believers. Be around other believers. You see, happy people make it a habit of following and hanging out with happy people. Amen? Amen. I mean, you hang out with negative people, you know what you're going to end up? Negative. You you hang out with grumpy people, you're going to end up grumpy. You hang out with critical, cynical people, you're going to end up critical and cynical. Now I would love to be able to tell you this morning that all Christians are happy people. None of them are negative, critical, or cynical. I wish I could tell you that. I should be able to tell you that. But unfortunately, that isn't true. But there are a lot of happy, joyful Christians here at Orchard Church. I would say the majority of them are. Connect with those people. Hang out with those people. Paul says, don't hang out with that religious, legalistic crowd. They're just going to pull you down. Be, if you want to be happy, hang out with happy people. Follow happy people as they follow Christ. You know, uh, this last week on Tuesday... There was over a million really happy people downtown in denver at the parade you know at the celebration there was there was a there was a bunch of these people and i i i considered going down there and watching the parade but i was like man i don't know if i want to fight a million people and i've got my message work on all these things well there were three guys on our staff they came to their pastor and they said pastor doug Please, Pastor, could we somehow go down to the parade? Would you just allow us a couple of hours off? So kicking and screaming, they drug me down there, and we went to the parade. So I think we have a picture of that. And they made me go to the Broncos parade on Tuesday. And so uh, Richard and Ryan, and uh, that's Marcial's son. He skipped school, don't tell anybody. Him and about 50 other thousand kids that day. Marcial's taking the picture, so he's not happy because he's not in it. But uh, we were down there, and, and, and we hung out with a million happy people. And everybody was so happy, and everybody was so celebratory, and it was so exciting. And then it was over until hopefully next year we get to do it again. We'll see. But one day, and I thought about this. You know what? We have the opportunity to experience this as Christians all the time. We come every Sunday here to Prairie View High School and we get to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. This ought to be one of the happiest high points of our week. Amen? Amen. As we come together and we get to worship Him and celebrate what He's done in our life and study His Word and apply it to our lives. And it doesn't stop there. Because throughout the week we have over 50 small groups where you can get into a small group and you can have people that care about you and love you and you can be happy because you're building relationships with other believers in the family of God and it can just energize you throughout the week. And then we have discipleship, where you can get paired up one-on-one with another believer. Because we're talking about one of the habits is growing in your faith and knowing Jesus better. And some of you are like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to, how to read my Bible. Discipleship is pairing you up with another believer who you can follow, who can help you. And you're going to be happier because you'll be growing in your faith and knowing Jesus better and resting in His grace. And you're going to have another believer that's walking with you. You see how all of this works together. And we have these opportunities. And this is why we're constantly telling you guys, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. You say, well, the semester already started. We're two weeks in. I guess I'll have to wait till next semester. No, you can get into a small group anytime you here at Orchard Church. As long as our small groups are going, you can get in. Go to orchardgroups.com, sign up for a group. Those of you that are in small groups here at Orchard Church, would you be okay if some new people showed up to your group this week because they're looking for relationships to connect with? Would you welcome them? Absolutely. Get into a group so you can be with other believers. Get into discipleship. You can sign up right now on your connection card and your newsletter. Say, you know what? It's time for me to be discipled. And so I can follow another believer and I can grow in my faith. Start serving here at Orchard Church. Man, some of the happiest people I know here at Orchard Church are people who are serving God. It's not about themselves and serving themselves. It's about serving others and serving God. And you're going to get connected in relationships as you're serving together. It's fun to serve God together, amen, Orchard Church. So make it a habit. That you're going to follow other believers. Because happiness is a choice. We've said it throughout the series. Happiness is a choice. Paul said it is my choice to rejoice. So you have five spiritual habits here. If you build into your life, your happiness will grow exponentially. I hope that you will choose to put some of these habits into practice. Starting tomorrow. Starting today. And watch your happiness grow exponentially. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that we would be doers of your word, not just yours only. And that we might build these habits into our life. And that we might always rest in your grace. Knowing you better. Growing in our faith. Forgetting the past and focusing on the future. And following and connecting with other believers that can bring joy and happiness into our life. As we continue in prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, and you would say, you know what? God has spoken to me. I know that I need to build one or more of these habits into my life. I would like to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? God has spoken to you about one or more of these habits. Lift them up high. Lift them up high. All across the auditorium. God bless you. Hands in every section. I know there's some of these habits that I need to start practicing. And I know my happiness will go up. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would build these habits into our life that we put them into practice, that we follow Paul's example, and that we experience the joy of our salvation as we follow you, as we connect with other believers, that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we be doers and not just hearers of your word. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, if you're here this morning, you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Again, we do not offer religion here at Orchard Church, but we offer a relationship with Jesus where you accept Him by grace through faith. It's not about anything that you have done. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And if you've never made that faith decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now, right where you sit. You're not going to have to get up. You're not going to have to come up or speak up or say anything. But I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. A prayer is simply a way to acknowledge to God what is in your heart. And I'll lead you in this prayer where you can invite Jesus into your life and you can accept his grace and his mercy by faith today. This isn't a magic prayer and these aren't magic words, but if you put faith and belief behind it, this can be a life-changing day for you as you experience his grace. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer of faith with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me to forgive all my sins. And right now, I accept you into my life by faith I accept your grace your love and your mercy come into my life Jesus save me forgive me be my Lord and Savior I want to know you not just about you I want to know you thank you Jesus thank you Heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. You just made the greatest decision of your life. So if you just slip up your hand right now, nobody else looking, I want to pray for you. If you said, yes, I prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into my life. Could I pray for you and just slip up your hand? God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? God bless you down here. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, up top. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. Several people. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today. I pray that what has begun as a relationship with you today would grow each and every day of their life. And pray as a church we would help them to grow in that relationship and they would learn to know you and love you and follow you more. Thank you for their decision. Thank you for all the decisions for Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ, uh, we would love to know about that decision. Uh, Inside of your newsletter, there's a connection card. If you would just... uh Give us your contact information. Check that box. that says, I accepted Christ. Drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. We want to continue to pray for you. We'll send you a little book in the mail. It's called Seven Steps to Joy. It'll help you uh, grow in your relationship with Jesus. So let us know about that. If you're a first-time guest today here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our first-time guest. Hopefully you filled up that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, guest, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. And so we're going to send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail. If I haven't yet had the opportunity opportunity. to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent. I'd love for you to come by and introduce yourself as a first-time guest this morning. Thanks so much for being here at Orchard Church. Um, At this time, our host team is going to make their way, and we're going to begin to receive uh, our gifts to the Lord. Uh, We're going to give of our tithes and offerings. It's another form of worship, and we're also going to check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. As we give, we want to be a church that gives first, saves second, and learns to live on the rest. So God bless you, and thank you for being here. Check out what else is going on at Orchard Church. Have a great afternoon. Love you guys.